0: Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Is God in all your thoughts?
1: All right, praise the Lord. I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to talk to you this morning on the subject of thoughts. And I'd like to begin by asking you a rhetorical question which you see on the slide there. Is God in all your thoughts? Is God in all your thoughts? If you turn with me in your devices or your bibles to Psalm chapter 10 verse 4, you'll see where I got that question. Psalm chapter 10 verse 4 King James version The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Amen. So from that, I get the question, is God in all your thoughts? I want to talk for just a minute about this verse. I want to unpack it in such a way that will set us on a journey that examines the impact of our thought life on our life of faith. And I mean its impact on our everyday life, our everyday challenges, but also its impact on our gifts and the callings that God has placed upon our life. All right, so let's dig into this scripture and see where it sends us. And let's read it one more time. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Now, the wicked here is talking about the ungodly, those that don't know God. Through the pride of his countenance, that's talking about your face. You ever notice people walk into the room and sometimes you can tell they're so full of themselves just by the look on their face. That's what's being talked about here. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. In fact, God is far from his thoughts. So David says in essence that the wicked or the ungodly through their pride and arrogance will not seek after God. And then he gives us the root cause. God is not in all their thoughts. So according to the wisdom of God's word, what you fill your mind with to a large extent will determine What you believe about God, what you believe about everything, and how you live your life. Because God is not in all their thoughts, many try to convince themselves that there is no God. In fact, one translation of this scripture we just read says he will not seek after God because all his constant thoughts are there is no God. Because if there is no God, then there is no final judgment. There is no ultimate accountability. And you can do whatever you want to do. Amen? So they think. But the Bible says in two places that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1. And I think they're a fool for two reasons. Number one, Because the evidence of his existence is all around you if you'll just take the time to take a look. And number two, because in their heart of hearts, when they lay their head down on their pillow at night, when they're alone with their thoughts, they really know that there is a God. Let me show that to you in the scriptures. Romans chapter one, verse 18 through 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert at night and looked at the desert night sky and looked at the brilliant display of all the stars Not one time I've ever done that and said, you know, this was all by chance. (laughs) It's just all happened. A fool could look at that and say such a thing. All the evidence is all around you in creation, in the heavens, on the earth, all the different species of animals, all the varieties of human races that have been created. And God is in all of it the sheer complexity of the human being, the probabilities that it could all have happened by chance are just ridiculously absurd. And I taught college-level statistics and probability, so I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) In fact, let me just get on my soapbox for just a little bit. If you're a believer in evolutionary biology, you're chasing fairy tales. No, they will believe something that is that the odds are astronomical that such a thing never happened. They'll believe that and they'll scoff at a fish swallowing Jonah and keeping him in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. But at least that has happened before. There was a man in Hawaii who was swallowed by a whale and lived to tell about it. They'll scoff at that, and they'll take evolution hook, line, and sinker. And I'm telling you, as an educated Ph.D. engineer, it's sheer poppycock. That's a real word. You can look it up. There's another word. It's balderdash. Or as the British would say, it's rubbish. Amen. So they can try as hard as they want to to convince themselves that God does not exist. But it won't be an acceptable excuse on the day of judgment. Because God was not in all their thoughts. The people of Noah's day did whatever they wanted to do. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. English Standard Version. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I'd say God was not in all their thoughts. Amen. Just like the scripture says. In fact, if you read the story, you realize that the people that were alive on planet Earth were filled with sexual immorality, bloodlust, and violence. So much so that of all the people that lived in Noah's day, God could only find eight people that filled their thoughts with the knowledge of God. Just eight people. And that's a perfect segue into what I call the corollary, or the opposite, of Psalm 10, verse 4. So let's reread our main text to you one more time, and I'm going to show you the corollary. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So the corollary would go something like this. The righteous, through the humility of his heart, will seek after God because God is in all his thoughts. Let me say that again. The corollary says, The righteous, through the humility of his heart, will seek after God because God is in all his thoughts. Amen. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can I get to the point where God is in all of my thoughts? It seems like a pretty tough assignment. But actually, let me encourage you here. You're actually further down that road than you realize. There's a common thread among true believers. Listen, just anecdotally, let me just say this. If you're a true believer, have you ever noticed that there are certain things... That you have in common with other true believers. For example, I've never met anyone who's serious about God. That does not think the way that I think about critical areas in your walk of faith. It may come out different in different people. But you will hear serious people of faith say the same kind of things. Because these kind of things dominate their thought life. For example, I want to fulfill my purpose in life. You ever met a serious believer that doesn't say that? Oh, I just want to do my own thing, serve God, but I want to do my own thing. No, you don't hear him say that. I want to be the I want to be the person God called me to be. Isn't that right? I want to reach the people God called me to reach. I want to build the things God called me to build. I want to fulfill my destiny. The one that God has planned for me. These are things that all true believers have in common. And this inner compulsion is not just manifested in their thought life. It manifests in the decisions that they make and the plans that they pursue. Every true believer I know approaches every major decision in their life through the lens of the gifts and callings of God that He has placed upon their life. They ask themselves questions like this. How does this decision affect my calling and my ultimate purpose in life? What decision should I make with respect to my ultimate calling, regardless of my vocation, which is to be a witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ? So as I said, you're probably a little bit further down that road than you think you are. You're down the road towards filling your mind with the thoughts of God. Trust me. I lay awake at night wondering about my destiny. Telling the Lord, I want to fulfill every jot and tittle that's written in the books about me in heaven. I'm determined to do so, Lord. Set me on the right path. I'm obsessed with it. That's the kind of obsession the Lord is okay with. Being obsessed to do God's will and follow his plan for your life. Amen. So I want to show you in the scripture that there's a reason. That true believers think like that and talk like that. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13, and we're going to skip to the last part of verse 12 where Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Isn't that awesome? Now you've heard me teach on spirit, soul, and body before. How that when a man or woman gets born again. Your spirit man, your spirit woman becomes a new person that's righteous and holy just like God. But the challenge of the Christian life is to get what's in you to work its way to the outside to affect your soul and also your body. This is what Paul is talking about. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it from the inside out for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Listen to verse 13 in the New Living Translation. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. This is amazing. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. So there's a reason that people of faith who are serious believers, walk and talk and think alike. Because God's on the inside of you. There's a force on the inside of you that, that, is, that is urging you to live the life that God has planned for you. Compelling you to live a life of holiness and righteousness. Compelling you to reach out to people who don't know Jesus and be Jesus to them. There is a force on the inside of you that's constantly stoking a passion in your heart to be the person that God has called you to be. And all we need to do is learn how to yield to and cooperate with that force, that godly influence on the inside. I want to share a testimony. Of a visitation that I received back January 26th, the year 2000. I call it the wind and the fire. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I will share the high points. It was movie night at the forest home. And at that time, all my girls were still at home. They were teenagers. And guess who was the loser on movie night? As far as what we were going to watch. So they had a string of chick flicks lined up for the night. And I had had my fill of that. So I went to bed about midnight. And I think they watch movies till like three o'clock in the morning. So about two o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden I was awakened. And there was this powerful presence of God in the room. And the wind was blowing. And the windows were shut, the drapes were flapping, the wind was blowing, the sheets on top of me were blowing off of me and I knew it was the presence of God and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. So I put my hands in the air and I began to worship the Lord. And as I looked at the ceiling, the ceiling disappeared and a great big ball of fire just descended through the ceiling and rested on my head and shoulders and began to burn and burn and burn. And I was aware of a great heat and yet I was not consumed. It was a spiritual fire. I'll spare you the details, but the Lord was calling me to account because I had not yet become the man that He called me to be. He was reminding me of who and what He had called me to be. And I want you to know that this thing that I've been talking about that is inside you, that urges you to live right, to do right, to be God's representative on the earth. That was the first thing that came up out of my spirit without even thinking. I had my hands in the air. I said to the Lord, oh, Lord, the greatest desire in my heart is to be the man you call me to be. To do the things you call me to do and reach the people you call me to reach. Lord, burn out all the dross. Take away anything in my heart that is not right with you, Lord. I want to be that man. That desire that I've been talking about that you read there in Philippians 2, 13 is in you constantly stoking you. And listen, when you get in the presence of God, it will come to the forefront Spending time in the Word and spending time in the Spirit will cause your mind to be filled with the thoughts of God. I promise you that night, all that I could think about was what God wanted me to do on planet Earth. Everything else was crowded out. Isaiah 55, verse 9 through 11. In the Passion Translation, Isaiah 55, verse 9 through 11. This is an awesome passage. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways and my thoughts are higher than yours. As the snow and rain that fall from heaven do not return until they have accomplished their purpose, soaking the earth and causing it to sprout with new life, providing seed to sow and bread to eat so also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and fulfills the mission I sent it out to accomplish. Amen. So God starts off by saying, listen, my thoughts are higher than yours and my ways are higher than yours. And just like the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth and causes it to spring forth and bud, To give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. It doesn't return. It doesn't evaporate from the ground and go back up into the heavens until it accomplishes its purpose. In the same way, when the Word of God goes out, it will not return to Him empty until it has accomplished His purpose. Amen. And I believe the mission of the Word of God is to make our thoughts become His thoughts and our ways become His ways. And the more time you spend in the Word the more successful that process will be. The more time you spend in the Spirit, the more successful that process will be. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. New King James Version. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this verse tells us that the spirit, soul, and body of a man or a woman are connected together in complicated and intricate fashion. And only the Word can tell where one part begins and the other part starts. But the Word is also A discerner of the thoughts and intents or the motives of the heart. And can let you know if your thoughts, if the thoughts of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect are aligned with the thoughts of God. Then you can pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me and know me, Lord. Try my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Help me get my mind right, Lord. It's important to get your mind right, because thoughts precede action. If your mind is filled with wrong thoughts, you will eventually do wrong things. (laughs) If your mind is filled with right thoughts, you will eventually do right things. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. New Living Translation. I love this translation. Tickles me. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. No kidding. If you're drunk all the time, you're not going to fulfill the will of God for your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. If you look at the actual Greek here, you find that this verse actually says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, which implies it is a continuous thing. So we have one infilling, but many refillings. Amen. Amen. And one of the best places we can get these refillings is right here when we worship the Lord together in church. There's something that happens in corporate worship that does not happen any other way. When you worship God with everyone else around you worshiping God in unity, giving worship to the King, then your thoughts become His thoughts. And your ways will become His ways. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. The Passion Translation. This is totally awesome. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit Through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Amen. What we need is a total reformation of the way we think. Amen. So that our thoughts become his thoughts and eventually our ways become his ways. Amen, let the Word and the Spirit of God within you produce a total reformation of the way you think about everything. And it will impact the way that you live your life. And when you do this, you'll stay right on track with God and the plans and purposes that He has for your life. Proverbs 16, verse 3. In the Amplified Classic. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to Him. That means completely. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. The key to your plans being established and succeeding is causing your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. Amen, don't just come up with a plan. A plan of your own and ask God to bless it. That's foolishness. Learn how to roll your works on the Lord in prayer. If you think you've got the mind of the spirit on a new venture or a new mission, lift it up to the Lord for correction, guidance and direction. Allow your thoughts to become agreeable to His will And apply your thoughts to your new venture or your new mission. Amen. Psalm 40, verse 5. I know I am bludgeoning you with the word here, but I'm trying to make a point here. Bludgeon on, amen. Psalm 40, verse 5, New King James Version. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts. That also means your plans toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I remember when I first received this revelation. I said to the Lord, if that's true, I'm missing a whole lot of them. I just was being honest with the Lord. I mean, if you're streaming to me 24 seven, which is what this verse says in modern lingo, I'm missing a lot. Lord, help me catch more of what's coming my way. Learn to hear the voice of the Lord and catch as many of his thoughts and plans as you can. You know, people have written books and preached sermons and series on what to do when God is silent. Well, the scripture here tells us that God is really never silent. He's always talking. It's just that we're not always listening. One time I was praying in the spirit at the house. I was by myself. Trish was out shopping and I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And I said, Lord, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And he said, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I was like, what? OK, I get it, Lord. I said you've been talking a lot. Now, how about just being quiet and just listen to me? If we're not hearing Him, it's because we're not listening. We haven't trained ourselves to listen. Let me give you an example. This room right now, whether you realize it or not, is bathed with electromagnetic radiation. There are radio waves streaming into this room. There are television waves streaming into this room. And if you had the right receiver you would be able to hear the words that are coming across those radio waves. You would be able to see the images that are coming across those television waves. And I'm here to tell you right now, as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has put a receiver in you that is able to hear the voice of God. Able also to see the images that He streams to you. Don't tell me God is silent. He's never silent. There are times in my life when I've been aware of, like I said, 24-7 downloads from heaven into my mind and heart. My progression went something like this. Complaining to the Lord that I wasn't catching as many as I thought I should. I was missing a whole lot. If thoughts are coming to me 24-7, I'm missing a lot. And then all of a sudden, he poured on the fire hose, and I had to say, slow down. Too fast. You know, typical week for me, I'll have three or four visions and a dream or two, and so I'm constantly pulling out my phone in the middle of the night, going to the bathroom so I don't wake my wife, and recording what I'm seeing in the Spirit. Because he's talking to me all the time. He's talking to me all the time. Now listen, I, I, I may be the exception and not the rule. I'm not saying that everybody's like me. But I am saying that everybody can hear 24-7 from the Lord. You can. Because he put a receiver in you that enables you to do so. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is always speaking, so learn to hear the various ways he speaks. Listen, he speaks through the written word. Somebody asked me sometime. One time if I would give him a word. I said, I'll give you a word. They said, what is it? Read your Bible. So he speaks through the written word, through impressions, through your imagination, through words. Whether audible, which is rare or by the spirit, which is more common. I've had the Lord speak to me in an audible voice one time in the summer of 1991. Now, in dreams and visions, he has spoken to me audibly many times, but that's a little bit different. So he speaks through the written word, through impressions, through imaginations, through words. Audible or by the spirit, which is more common, he speaks through dreams and visions. But remember, regardless of the way the Lord spoke to you, funnel all that you hear and all that you see through the Rosetta Stone of the Word of God. Because the Word of God will connect all of those ways that He's talking to you to a solid basis. Okay? I get a vision from the Lord. I always ask the Lord, show it to me in the Scripture. I told the Lord about a word that I got. An angel appeared to me and he shared some things with me. And it was right after we started this church. And I told my wife, an angel appeared to me. Uh, first night in a dream, the second night, the same angel in a vision and talked to me and shared some things with me. She said, that's great. Show it to me in the word. That's what she said. I'm like, Lord, you heard the lady. (laughs) A couple of days later, I was in my morning reading and I came across Exodus 2320. And the Lord said, I have sent an angel before you to prepare the way and lead you into the things that I've got for you. And I read that to you and she said, "Okay, good enough. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, Anyway, I say all that to say this. Whether you receive in spectacular ways or non-spectacular ways, you still have to funnel it through the Rosetta Stone of the word of God. Okay, don't forget to do that. Otherwise, you can be misled and you can be deceived. All right. In other words, does what I saw or what I heard Line up with the Word of God. If it does, it can be trusted. If it does not, it cannot. All right. So let's read one more time as we wrap this up Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, King James Version. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So learn to live the corollary that we talked about before through humility. Seek after God and let your heart and mind be filled with all his thoughts. All right, let me leave you with one last scripture. Bludgeon on, the man said, so one last scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse six through eight. Very familiar passage. New living translation. I love the way this is shared here. Paul says to the Philippians and thus by the Holy Ghost to us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Listen to this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So Paul tells us not to worry about anything. To pray about everything. Thank him for what he's done and what he's going to do. Let the peace of God guard your heart and mind. And change the way you think and let God be in all your thoughts. Amen? Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Is God in All Your Thoughts? If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website, at GoFaithLife.com If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship come join us on Sunday at 9.45am for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings visit our website at GoFaithLife.com Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.